Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Whoa, no thank you. What's what's no thank you? Beaver, ghost pepper mustard. Oh my goodness. I, I, I find I'm happy eating beaver without mustard. <laughs> I certainly don't think she'd appreciate the ghost pepper element. <laughs> Maybe. You can't tell. <laughs> you know, you just can't tell. This is Penn Sunday School. Oh, wait, wait, oh, yeah. I didn't even know we were going, really. You were doing a podcast today. Hmm? Oh, yeah, really? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, then. Here we go. Brothers, sisters, siblings, welcome to Penn Sunday School, brought to you by Masterclass. We are broadcasting from Show Creator Studio South here in Las Vegas. Happy New Year, one and all, to those who celebrate. <laughs> uh, we don't have an end of, We actually, all we talked about was what we weren't going to talk about today, so I don't know what we're going to talk oh, about. Oh, yeah, yeah. But here he is preaching the love, Pendulet. Pendulet brought to you by. Masterclass. We'll talk more about Masterclass in a uh, in a little while. But uh, we just want to tell you that it's through the kindness of Masterclass that we do the damn show. Yeah. And uh, Masterclass has, uh, what do they got? They've always got really good deals for people that listen to us. Uh, get 15% off annual membership at Masterclass.com slash pen. Masterclass.com slash pen. We'll talk about that more a little later. Masterclass. Yeah, I thought, you know, we're doing this a little early. We can yeah. fess up to people. Yeah. Because Sunday, when we usually do Penn's Sunday school. That's right. Right there in the fucking name. Yeah. Uh, when we usually do that, uh, it's New Year's Eve. Mm -hmm. And Glenn thought, I don't know what Glenn's thinking. Yeah. Glenn thought, you know, Penn should have a whole day to himself. The last time Penn had a whole day to himself, months and months and months ago. Yeah. So I have, but don't really have a day to myself because that evening, New Year's Eve, Emily has a party. Yeah, you guys. Now, actually, we have a party. You have a party. But you know how much I do to do with parties. No, no. I've, I eat vegan onion dip. Yes. And potato chips until I'm sick. Yeah. That's a party to me. Your wife is working very hard on your Very, New very Year's hard. Party. Very hard. She plans themes. And the themes always have alliteration and puns and all that. It's circus this year. I don't know yeah. why. So she has those horrible uh, orange circus peanut yes. candies, mm -hmm. which is really good to have around the house because most things you have around the house, you want to snack on. Yeah. Circus peanuts, there's not even the slightest, huh, I wonder if that still tastes awful. No, yeah. You're kind of like, this is something I can throw at my family. I can yeah. throw at different members I, I of my family. I don't even want to touch it. Yeah. I don't want to touch it. Circus peanuts have no attraction whatsoever to me. Yeah. Don't even want to touch them. Nothing. Right. I don't even want to look at them. Yeah, yeah. Certainly not taste them. Yeah. I don't even want to watch someone else eat them. No. Yeah. You know you know what's bad once you're a vegan? I mean, everything. But um, <laughs> what else is bad? Talking about what you're eating all the time in front of people who aren't vegan? Yeah. Watching someone eat a lobster. Oh, yeah. When you're vegan yeah. and you haven't eaten a lobster for a while. Like when you, 
every time you eat a lobster, there's a a resolution of cognitive dissonance. Yes. Because you're just going, I'm eating a giant cockroach. Right. That's all you go. And then you have to fight that and say, oh, but it's it's an excuse to drink butter. And the, right, which is that I think we all slowly admitted to ourselves yeah. that that's what we want to do. And then for other meats, it's like all the real kind of cruelty happens over there. And then yeah. just the thing comes out over here. It smells delicious. Yeah. But the, but the lobster, the ritual, the ritual cruelty is right there. It's happening right there at the table. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Yeah. I uh, wish to register a complaint. Yes, that. Why did I hear it? You talked about this uh, about six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I've been eating bugs ever since. <laughs> so you just totally took the advertising suggestion of just yes, advertising works, and I'm going bankrupt. Please stop. <laughs> okay, we won't. We won't talk All right, about fair that. Enough. Fair enough. Uh, I want to. We should be doing the end of the year, but we're not. We're doing this yeah. on a uh, on the Friday before New Year's Eve, so we're still in 2023. You usually collect your your. your I will. I will. Right. Right. Damn it! I will. I, I've been a little fucking busy, <laughs> motherfucker. I've been a little goddamn busy going over and protecting the United States of America by doing rope tricks for service people. There is a little note on the bottom of our summary that is trying to get me to talk about our Patreon back catalog. Okay. So I was using (laughs) your end of the year summary as a way to sneak in our talk about Patreon. I see. I see. There was very little sneaking. I kind of jumped on that. With both feet. But yes, go ahead. Talk about Patreon. Because so, that doesn't piss me off. No, when you sign up for Patreon, you get uh, access to Penn's book diary. Yep. Where he breaks down every book that he reads. And also every year, he breaks down everything he has seen and read in different mm-hmm. categories. Although I kind of stopped when I watched his stupid murder shit. Yeah. I sometimes don't write that up. Because I realized all I was writing was I'm watching more stupid murder shit. Right, right, right. That's fair. But you get some kind of summary of that. Yeah, of everything. Everything. Mostly books. Yeah, mostly books. books. Here's the thing. And I've said this before. It's so strange. I can watch shit. I can watch garbage on video. I cannot read shit. I've tried as a performance art to read like Daniel Steele. Yes. And stuff that I, I just don't think is particularly good. Yeah. But if it were a movie, I would be able to sit through it. But I can't read. Stuff that I read has to be good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also what happens with Patreon is you get uh, access to our entire back catalog and uh, as well as ad-free episodes. So you so- can say, wait a minute, are they repeating themselves? Let me go back and check. They are. Yeah, they are. Now, there are some, there are some very specific episodes that are, that are missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's correct. So when you find that, you don't need to bring that to our attention. We already know that we do not have that episode. Okay. And either it's because we lost it entirely or you're, you, you're not allowed to listen to it. Those are the two things that have happened. <laughs> so whatever you think might be the reason why those episodes are missing, yes. <laughs> uh, either we don't have it or you can't listen to it. Those right. are the rules. Because sometimes, <laughs> although I cross lines often, yeah. sometimes I cross such incredible lines <laughs> that other people step in. Yeah. 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 And that's happened uh, in 2023. That happened uh, cool. twice. Yeah, right, right, right. So the people just said, so right, like, hey, you know, th- this episode's not there. I said, that sure is it. It sure is it. Sure is And it. we hope you never find it anywhere. Because <laughs> boy, Penn, Penn is still, his ass is still sore from how <laughs> fucked his ass was after he did that. He was way out of line. But uh, yeah, so uh, uh, we do have the back catalog on Patreon. I'd say 99%. So, sure, so, so sure. you can, it's there for you as well. Yeah. And, uh, you also, you get, there's other 
perks. Like I'll make a video for you. Yeah. Say your name. And then we doing these shows, which I've loved doing where we have people call in with questions. Yes. And we'll be doing more of those and only Patreon people get to talk with us. Yeah. In real time. So some people said that we didn't like bank episodes. You did like bank episodes. And, and so we want to, basically what we found is that uh, giving Patreon people access to uh, a link where they can interact with us for bank episodes is our preferred format now. Yeah, I don't, I don't, do, anymore when I do another person's podcast, yeah. I don't want to just repurpose it here. Yeah, somebody said, no, I like when you have random guests on, you keep them for, bank. No, we will still have guests on. Yeah, sure. And we still will, will have that when, when it becomes right. Yeah, you know, but Nicholson the, Baker, Bob right. Horn Revere, you know, those people. Um, our friend who went over to North Korea, people found that episode pretty fascinating. Yeah, it was pretty fascinating. We could also get yelled at for that one. Right, right, right. So we're not going to stop any of that. It's the, when Penn went on other podcasts, we would try to double purpose them here. Yeah. And that, and that we're no longer going to do that. We're anymore. trying to get money for nothing and chicks for free. Right, right, right. We don't care anymore. We're old enough. We don't want money for But money. we weren't going to do any bank episodes and then Masterclass said we would like to sponsor your program. And so now we do have to do bank episodes. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. But that's good because we uh, we like- uh, We like interacting with our listeners. We like Masterclass, too. That's right. That's right. I've written a theme song for them. You know? <laughs> I want to talk about just one show today. Okay. And this is a show that shocks me that I'm going to talk about. This is a show that I absolutely fucking love. <laughs> and I did not know that I loved it till I watched- Two complete episodes, not enjoying it, oh, and okay. scoffing. Okay, and then all of a sudden, I loved it, and I told Robbie Jonesy and Nate Santucci about it. Okay, and Robbie and Jonesy had no interest at all, and then Nate Santucci started watching and said, "Oh my god, oh my fucking god!" Okay, and then Jonesy went back. And said, oh, my fucking God. Okay. Here's the show. And I hope you've watched some of it. Even more than I hope that, I hope you've decided not to watch it. And you're going to be appalled at what I'm going to say. Okay. I'm so nervous. Obliterated. Oh, I don't even know the show at all. You don't know the show at all? No. Takes place in Vegas. (laughs) Present day? Uh, Yes. So present day, this pissed me off. That one scene they do in front of the Rio, they shot while there was no signage for Penn and Teller. Oh! So although there is a van right next to a van that blows up that says Matt Franco, (laughs) there's no Penn and Teller signage. Oh, no. This show, as far as I can tell, has no redeeming qualities whatsoever. What is it even on? (laughs) It's on Netflix. Okay. It's on Netflix. It's eight episodes. Okay. I just held up five fingers. That's three more down here. <laughs> Finally got that other hand involved. Eight episodes, an hour each. Yeah. I watched it in two nights. Okay. I was out of my mind. I watched it. I started watching it and said, oh my God, I'm not going to watch any more of this. Let me switch it off. And then my thumb wouldn't push down. <laughs> my thumb didn't push down. And a half hour later, I said, well- I'll finish up this episode and then I'm not going to, I'm going to watch the next one. I, it's funny because I, uh, you know, all the talk is how Netflix is king, right? Netflix is winning the streaming wars and all that other yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that was all the talk. Um, all the insider talk. Oh, insider. I don't, I'm not privy to any insider talk. Just talk to me. I, I got my finger on the pulse. Good. But, um, 
I was like trying to struggle to find out the last thing I was watching on Netflix. My kids watch stuff on there, so I can't get rid of it. The kids aren't going to watch Obliterate. <laughs> but every everything I tried to watch on there has been so mediocre that I never end up finishing anything. This is not mediocre. Okay. This is mentally ill. <laughs> and here's the thing about it. Here's what an asshole I am. Okay. I started watching it. Yeah. Saying to myself, Jesus, there is these people there. What the fuck they think they're doing? This is ludicrous. This is stupid. This is insane. Yeah. And then I also saw in the Netflix description, it said comedy. So it presents as diehard. Okay. It doesn't have jokes in it. And yet it's comedy. It's like, Every, every cliche of action movies okay. is done 75% more than it's ever been done in any other action movie. Okay. There's no plausibility. Okay. So it's comedy by magnification? Comedy by magnification. Beautifully put. Beautifully put. Okay. And uh, I can tell you the premise. Okay. And I don't think it gives anything away. I believe it's right in the first description. Uh, it is an elite group of FBI, CIA experts and everything. Okay. An elite group that have been pulled from all walks of life to be a team of outsiders to stop a nuclear explosion in Vegas. And there is a tech expert, and there is a pilot, and there is a martial arts person, and there is a woman that leads them, and there is a guy who even for the outsiders is a bit of an outsider, and there is a bomb diffuser. And the entire climactic scene of the whole movie is done in the first 10 minutes. Every one of them does their expertise Every one of them does everything. You get everything you get. You would wait for at least 90 minutes for this in a movie. Right. You'd wait for this in a series seven or eight hours. First 15 minutes, boom, boom, boom. Everything. Helicopters, hand-to-hand, -hand, fighting, boom, boom, boom. And they disarm the nuclear weapon. Wow. Really right away. And then they have... A huge amount of money left over. It went, the whole thing went quicker than they thought it was going to. And their boss, a shadowy figure, says, you know, you just did this. You just saved Las Vegas. Take a little time off. So they rent a suite in Las Vegas for $60,000 a night. They hire hookers. They get a huge amount of drugs, a huge amount of drugs. You watch them as they label the drugs they're taking. They take acid. They take mushrooms. They take molly. They take cocaine. And they just drink and drink and drink. And that's all you watch is all of them getting completely fucked up. 
<laughs> completely fucked up. And I'm watching this going, why am I watching people get completely fucked up? Like you watching people get completely fucked up in Las Vegas is like the, the I least could do thing that. you. I could do that. Some of it's at the top of the Rio. I could just take an elevator up, but I'm sitting watching it. But here's where it becomes genius. Absolute genius. We watch the party and I'm going big deal. And then the two love interests that are going to be like, obviously there's sexual tension. Will they, won't them. they? Yeah, yeah. Will they, won't they? They just start fucking. Oh. <laughs> Naked. Boom. Great. Yeah. Nothing held back. And the guy whose secret might be his sexuality is in the shower with another man. And they show that. And the guy who's straight laced is accidentally taking a huge amount of acid. And then a phone call comes. The bomb you diffused was fake. The real bomb's still there. Go get it. And they go, look, all right, look, we can do this. <laughs> and six cliched characters set out to do a same mission you've seen in every movie a zillion times, but they are obliterated. <laughs> obliterated. <laughs> really obliterated and you see some of the stuff through their eyes which is really funny so you've got a sniper who has been represented as the best sniper the united states has ever seen and she's holding the sight and you see it through her eyes and everything's blurry <laughs> and things are moving around and she can't tell the enemy from the people on her side and just goes oh what the fuck pulls the trigger Right. Helicopter pilot has no sense of equilibrium. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the really sexy guy and the girl are really, really uncomfortable that they were just in the middle of fucking at the end of the mission. And now it's the beginning of the mission. Oh man. And they are really awkward because they should never have had sex. Oh man. And the, the tech person is drunk. And trying to get on the NSA website. And the bomb guy is unconscious. <laughs> then they have to drag him all over the place. It is the stupidest idea ever. And it's another seven shows with them just fucked up. <laughs> it, there's nothing in this show that I like. Right. Nothing. Yeah. I hate everything about it. And I think it's the greatest thing ever done. That's really funny. It's really, really funny. And I'm not going to give this away, but I will tell you, in the third show or the fourth show, third okay. show, there is a torture scene. There's a torture scene that is the most over-the-top, insane torture scene mm -hmm. you will ever see. It takes Mel Gibson and Lethal Weapon. Okay. That's where it starts. It just goes to what was in the back of everyone's mind during that. Okay. I will also tell you they have no compunction about showing nudity. Oh. The lead characters who would be coy are just stripping naked. <laughs> All right. Well, that's, that's, I can see that appealing to you and others. And others. But Netflix usually doesn't do that, so that is also interesting. Yeah. Also, you know the upper left-hand corner yeah. where it tells you? Oh, I love Netflix descriptors. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, upper left-hand corner. 
it goes across the whole screen for this one. <laughs> it says sexual situations, language, violence, drug abuse, substance abuse, alcoholism, boom, 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 the whole top of the screen billboards this. Oh, man. That's great. Nate Santucci, who works in our crew, yeah. wrote me a note at um, 3 a.m. Yeah. This is the best fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> he almost, he got reprimanded by his wife for almost waking up their child screaming on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> they also argue. Uh-huh. They go, uh, we've been cut off from the boss. We are now ghost protocol. And, uh, and the other one says, I think it's burn notice. He says, no, it's ghost protocol. They, this is ghost protocol. <laughs> no, I think it's burn notice. She also goes, my boyfriend was MI6. And there's a pause and she goes, it's not a Tom Cruise movie. He goes, oh. She goes, it's, it's the Secret Service in, in England. And he goes, oh, because, you know, I thought, okay. <laughs> and I f felt like a total asshole. Oh, you know, you know the description of this that really is the most accurate? The most accurate description of this was Nate Santucci, yeah. who said, it's Team America live action. Oh, nice. That's what it really yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Team America live action. It's just so, so insane. Oh, did you guys bring back your Christmas? Yeah, yeah, we're doing the Christmas thing. Oh, that's great. Because it has Moxie's favorite couplet that's ever been in a Penn and Teller show. Yeah. Which is, you did a fine job in your role as our judge, and to thank you for helping, take this box of fudge. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we give fudge to people in the audience. Yeah, it's fun to do that. Bit. So now you give out jelly beans and fudge. Dentists are not going to approve of this show. <laughs> Dentists do not approve of this show. And I also... I had a woman I lost patience with. Doing that bit? Uh, no, we gave her the jelly beans as we do at the end of the show. She, yeah, yeah. She had been a pain in the ass the whole show. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, the whole bit. I mean, she did fine. This is not the same woman who screwed no, up. No, it's not Lisa. <laughs> as a matter of fact, backstage, Kurt, one of our crew guys, yeah. said to me, you know, I keep a running tally of people we use for jelly beans. And this woman was third to Lisa. <laughs> it's a scale of Lisa now? Yeah, yeah. I said, the line you gave me, right? Mm. When I give the jelly beans, it's the big finish of the whole thing. Yeah. I said, sold! Take the jelly beans! She said, I'm fructose intolerant. I said, first of all, there's Ooh. no such thing. Second of all, it, it's not, it, it doesn't, well, how'd that help the show? Sit down. <laughs> I said, nobody cares. I don't believe fructose intolerant is anything, is it? I don't know. It, even if it was, shut up and take the jelly beans. <laughs> I'm going to have to give them away anyway. I'm I'm dipshit intolerant. Sit down. <laughs> <laughs> Just, anyway, he's I'll not going to watch you eat them. Like what what what, what, what kind of follow-up is? Throw the garbage on the way out. No one's going to care. No one cares. Hereditary fructose intolerance is a disorder in which a person lacks the protein needed to break down fructose. Okay. Okay. So good. it is real. They still don't have to make a big show about it. <laughs> Back to obliterated. Yeah. There's nothing, not even 
five seconds of this that is in any way redeeming. You know? Yes. It is It is people, and I read a little thing about the torture scene, and one of the writers said, we just said, how can we make people remember this forever? Right. <laughs> That's what it seems like. It seems like, like uh, people who like playing like uh, algorithm surfing yeah, yeah. kind of thing. And the, and the pitch for this must have been amazing. Yeah. We get an elite group, really, really fucked up on drugs, and send them out to solve a crime. Yeah. They're all hot. We get them all naked. We torture yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> Everything you can think of. Yes. Whatever your question is before, it's yes. I, I've written down yes on this card for every follow-up question you have for this pitch. Will there be a camel? Yes. <laughs> it's, yeah. But here's what I was embarrassed about. There's a problem in comedy uh-huh. or a problem in just social interaction. Yeah. Well, you can end up acting like people who are doing something aren't aware it's stupid. And right. that makes me crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When people make fun of Gilligan's Island. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Five people, they're going to be marooned there forever. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. You think uh, Sherwood Schwartz sat down and went, oh, this is really an airtight drama. Yeah. This is perfect. I don't know if we can add jokes to this. Yeah. I don't know where it can breathe. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just like most, of the, and that used to be my complaint with Letterman. He kind of stopped doing it. Yeah. But Letterman would get people on who knew they were doing stupid shit and point out they were doing stupid shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like after the first year, he just kind of stopped doing that. Yeah. He kind of let other people join him. Right. You know? And when I was first watching this, I was actually having a conversation with the writers Kind of going, what do you think you're doing here? You know, imaginary. Yeah, yeah, Then I realized that the answer was, what do you think you think you're doing? Yeah. We're fucking doing exactly what you're watching. We thought, don't you think it'd be funny if we fucking did this lame thing on purpose? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's also the big problem. I like uh, uh, Austin Powers. I do. Right. I like Austin Powers. But there is an undercurrent of Austin Powers that the James Bond people, and especially the Matt Helm people, yeah. didn't know they were making a comedy. Right, 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 right. Like, oh, we have pointed out that James Bond was, was stupid. Well, like, you know, it took me a while to watch the Barbie movie. Mm-hmm. And so I heard all these different scuttlebutts about it before watching it, mm-hmm. you know? And there's a big thing about Ryan Gosling's Ken's masculinity song. Mm-hmm. And then people being like, you know, it's like, is that really what they're trying to say about masculinity and blah, blah, and people had, and then I watched it and I was like, oh, it's a joke. The whole, it's a joke. The whole thing's a joke. <laughs> so you're wondering if the thing you delivered as a joke is meant to be serious? No. It's a joke. So that's why we're watching a comedy. <laughs> that's why we're watching the guy who's playing a Ken doll sing it. <laughs> yeah. Pointing out other people's jokes. Yeah. Make, and you know, that happens socially. Sure. Happens socially all the time when someone makes a joke and then someone else points out they just made a joke. Yeah, yeah. And it always, even socially, runs me the wrong way. So the fact that I did that on Obliterated, you know. I find myself announcing all the time where like someone just made a joke, it, one person got to laugh, and I explain the joke and then it gets that laugh from me. Mm-hmm. I go, that's his joke. <laughs> I just interpreted it. Yeah. 
we all missed it. I interpreted it, but that was his joke. Do not, I'm not accepting this laugh. And that's something, you know, that is, uh, I also think is true. Yeah. Um, it's a complaint of sexism. Oh yeah. That yeah. in meetings, men often repeat what women said and then get credit for the idea. That's yep. That's happened to me. It happens, happens really, really often. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes for people like me with hearing problems, I hear men better than I hear women. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's actually a real thing with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Moxie says something and Zoltan repeats it because his voice is, you know, a fourth lower. Yeah. I just made that number up. I will often hear him when I didn't hear Mox. And drives Mox nuts. Well, you know, it's, it's just rude. It's yeah. just rude. And also it's it's kind of natural when someone says something really funny to repeat it, you know, that's, yeah. that's a thing people do, but when you repeat it and then get credit as though you generated it, it's uh yeah, it's, it's good to point it out when yeah. you're, when you're the, uh, perpetrator. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I just said it louder. <laughs> that person's joke. Just said it louder. I just said it louder. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I try to catch myself from doing it yeah. and I hate when other people do it to me. They well, they explain the joke that I just made and then everyone laughs and I'm just like that's I that was you're saying it like I didn't understand the joke I was making. <laughs> yeah, well that's that's stupid because you just I know I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I re, yeah that's my whole point. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah. Well I'm I'm eager because you might watch Obliterated and just say he's out of his mind. Well just I'm I'm out of shows so I'm I'm in on this because I, I I was thinking about starting Fargo. Because you can watch that out of order. I never watched any Fargo. But you can each season's an anthology. Fargo's great. And then I tried to start watching season two of Reacher, which is the dumbest show ever. Yeah, done by a friend of mine, by the way. The guy who did Scorpion. Yes. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it. Nick Santori. Yes. And I, I write to Nick Santori and go, I don't understand why you didn't cast me. <laughs> Reacher says it's tall. And I think I would be a better choice for this. And he said to me, he wrote back and said, maybe season five, <laughs> Reacher goes into a warehouse to fight people. We don't see any of the fight. He comes out the other side, he's you, and we see how much damage they did to him. <laughs> oh, let me tell you something. Yeah. If you like Reacher. Yeah. And you like that kind of winky tone all the way through? Uh, obliterated is going to kill you. That's why. That's what it is. He's like, I watch Reacher and I just laugh the whole time. Yeah, yeah. And I really, and I, I don't, and again, it'd be wrong for me to assume that they don't understand exactly what they're they doing. They know exactly what they're yes. doing. Yes. Exactly. And it is like for, it is written for people like me who grew up watching the A-Team and Knight Rider yeah. to watch a show now. And based on a graphic novel that was very popular, and they found the perfect actor to play that person in the graphic novel. It is, except he's Christian. It is uh, <laughs> It is amazing how much yeah. muscle he has. It is insane. He can't put his arms down. I don't think he can get his hands in his pockets, can no, he? No, no, no. And they do like to show him like with food and stuff like that, so he makes everything look miniature in his hands. Yeah, they also, they also show him eating things he would never eat. Yes, yeah, yeah. Which I think is a horrible thing they do. They do that in Obliterated, too. Yeah. Where they show people in perfect shape, not not just eating protein powder. Yeah, not just eating tuna fish on salad or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
yeah, yeah. Uh, by having like an onion ring tower, yeah, like like yeah. they would do that. Yeah, no. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, Reacher. But Obliterate. When you get through the torture scene, yeah, I want to get an email from you. I'm going to notice the timestamp <laughs> of when you listen because this is going to be when my wife falls asleep. That's when I will be watching it. This is weird. I don't know why I'm saying this, but I feel it really struggling. I think you want to watch it alone. Oh, not I, just not just a thing about wives or anything. No, no, like no. That. A group of people watching this, you would make inappropriate jokes. Let them work. Yeah, I'll, I gotta take it all in. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll be taking it alone. You got you, you got a lot of work. Yeah. And uh, the other thing is sometimes this may even be true a little bit in Reacher. Yeah. Sometimes you feel like the actors aren't in on it. But, you know, the, the director is telling the actors one thing and he's actually expecting another. Right, right, right. But in Obliterated, everybody knows what they're doing. Yeah. Everybody knows what they're doing. It's, it's really, really, really funny. I like it. I'll yeah. take, I'll, I'll you'll see. You'll see. I, I can't wait for you to, uh, to comment on it. And maybe there'll be a season two, <laughs> which is really funny. They finish that, get fucked up again. And oh, we got to solve this. Well, I keep watching, uh, what is it, Slow Horses. Yeah. And not only do I think, like, they can't do another season after this. Yeah. They show you they're doing another season after yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how they do it, but they always end their season with showing that they have another season. Gary Oldman's having a blast doing it. Oh, it's yeah. he's great. He's, he's, he's good friends with Teller. Yes. And uh, so he comes to our shows all the time. And, and what I also love is uh, when I first saw Gary Oldman, when he was doing Slow Horses, yeah, he looked nothing like the character in Slow Horses. Now I saw him after season three of Slow Horses. He's just the character leaning in. Yeah, <laughs> he's becoming that guy. When you're becoming the most likable TV character. Is a guy who's known for not showering, yeah, farting, yeah. saying whatever the hell he wants. Yeah. I imagine you don't want to just walk away from that role. <laughs> yeah, like if I don't I don't want to go back to Winston <laughs> Churchill. I don't want to go back to showering and shaving. <laughs> If people like me not doing that, great. Yeah. Well, home free. I'll take it. Home free. Let's talk a little bit about Masterclass. Masterclass is the reason we're able to keep doing our show. Yes. They came Deus Ex Machina, Deus Ex Masterclass. Deus Ex Masterclass. And they, uh, they, uh, they saved us here. We learn an awful lot from Masterclass. They have, and I, this, you know, we have, we have a beef with this. They keep saying they have 180 plus instructors. Yes. We've been noticing that for two years. Yeah. And that they've added, that we know they've added 15. Yeah. So I, I don't know why. do a recount and get back to it. Yeah, they should. They should. Anyway, it's, you can learn everything there. And I'll tell you, and I keep saying this, but I can't tell you how important that is. They change the way I am as a performer. Yeah. You know, they changed the finger pointing thing, which changed the whole tone of our show. Yeah. It really did. And I can't think of anything that made that profound a change. And you know how much I believe in, in lifelong learning? Right. I mean, I, I kind of sort of, in my weird existentialism, believe there's nothing else. Right. I mean, I really do just like learning stuff, that wonderful feeling of aha, masterclass trades in that. Just think about how fun it is to be up to something or into something, so that when you get together with friends, you're not just talking about the news. Yeah, or gossip. Right. The, it, it's so nice, because um, uh, uh, Piff and Mac are always studying stuff. Yeah. So when you go out with them for coffee, there's stuff to talk about. Yeah. 
that's you know uh, it's 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 really and and master class gives you that uh what do you what have you been master classing there already rich i've been watching sola who's a uh, chef mm-hmm. they've added some television show style production mm-hmm. so it's uh three episodes half hour each mm-hmm. oh fascinating it was just really great to see her working again in media mm-hmm. during the plague there was a youtube station that had some problems and everybody left mm-hmm. and it looks like Masterclass is starting to pick up those people. Oh, good. That's, That's really, really smart. That's really, really good. And uh, there's also supplementary stuff. You get P- uh, PDFs, but it's all video. Yeah. And it's produced beautifully. And when I say they have the best, best instructors, that they have the absolute best instructors, um, uh, I got to tell you, they have us. That's right. So that's an important part to say that there's class guides. There's, uh, but I mean, the most important thing, and this is their phrase, yeah. lifelong learning. Yeah. And that is really what's really very, very important. Now, do you cook from the stuff you learn from the cooks on uh, master class? Yes. Yeah. And the food come out good? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and have you watched the Amy Poehler yet? I get, I've, I've got to, I've got to re, redo my thing and do it. But the thing I want to stress about masterclass, and this is something that um, is really important. You could learn from the instructors for things you don't want to learn. Yes. You can learn so much that applies to other things. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash pen. Get 15% off right now at masterclass. Dot com slash pen. Masterclass dot com slash pen. That's like the opening chord for Hard Day's Night. <laughs> They'll never be able to find exactly what the notes were again. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. I want to uh, I want to talk about Tommy Smothers. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I was in Niagara yeah. Falls, slowly I turned step by step in for my inch. I spent um, a couple hours talking to Dickie. Yeah. And Dickie, and I think I reported this, Dickie pretty much said that Tommy was was uh, not long for the world. Very near the end. And uh, Dickie also said he was going to try to get out to see him for the holidays, which I don't know if he did. Right. Uh, I also know that Tommy was writing to Provenza, texting Provenza really often, 
and Tommy was, uh, uh, Dickie said this, which is really weird. The dementia that hit Tommy, the way it hit him, made him pretty happy and sociable. He said he used to be a little bit annoyed uh, with people in restaurants bothering him. And Dickie said that changed with dementia. He'd stop at people's tables and just talk with them. Oh, wow. Tommy Smothers, and I, I try to explain this. I think I tried to explain this on this show at least four or five times. You would think Tommy Smothers' um, uh, comedy style uh, would not give me much. But if you watch stuff like um, Our Bit of Spaniel, yeah. and there's always moments in almost every bit where I am directly lifting from Tommy Smothers in terms of um, phrasing and timing. He also uh, fulfilled something so important to me. Uh, I could not, uh, because I am a pretentious asshole, um, which I think is probably the guiding principle of my life. I always want things to be more. Okay. I, I always think things are more important than they are. When people I felt were just funny, mm-hmm. I couldn't get a hold of that. Right. I needed people to have funny with some sort of um, heart and intellectual idea under it. Yeah. And one of the best examples of that is Tommy Smothers. 100%. Because Lenny Bruce, when he's talking smart, he makes it clear he's talking smart. Right. You know? But Tommy Smothers does not do irony. Right. Does not do satire. But yet he does comedy that appears on its surface to be dumb, but really has incredible thought and ideas behind it yeah to the point that cbs fired him when he had a successful show right i was reading more about that tommy always said that nixon made a phone call and said fire him right and uh there isn't much evidence of that uh the evidence is that they wanted review copies uh a uh week in advance Uh. tommy wasn't delivering them and they were telling Tommy to make changes that he wasn't making. Um, so even though the show was very successful, right. it was a huge pain in the ass for everybody, which is what really good art should be. And right. the Smothers Brothers show, so, so amazingly important for me. Um, you would think everything about the Smothers Brothers show talks about how important it was to people in their 20s. There's less about, it was on in when, 68, 69? So I was, sure. I, I was 13 or 14 years old. Yeah. And I had, the first record album I bought was the Smothers Brothers at the Purple Onion. That may not literally be true, but it was an album, I think it might have been, an Aesop Fables they also mm-hmm. did. So I, I got on board the Smothers Brothers when I was probably six or seven, right? I watched their first situation comedy, right? which Dickie and Tommy have told me one-on-one how much they hated and all the articles say how much they hated it. And I loved it. Right. I watched it with my dad. The premise was horrible. Right. It was that Tommy drowned and died 
and he was essentially in purgatory and had to come back and help his brother if he was going to get into heaven. <laughs> so he was an angel right. that had to come back and redeem himself for his life. And it was done with a laugh track, no live audience, no address to the audience, them playing situation comedy characters. Ooh. It was a bad idea all the way around, and I loved it. As a matter of fact, I took a helicopter back from uh, L.A. to Vegas. Mm -hmm. We had done the Leno show and had to do a show, and the Smothers Brothers had too. So we shared, maybe, maybe a jet, we shared a jet from L.A. to Vegas. So I get to talk to them. And I, um, I don't know if this was uh, charming to them or repulsive, probably a combination of both. But I sang the theme song, Their Situation Comedy, <laughs> all the way through all the words and everything, which neither of them remembered. Oh, wow. And, uh, I mean, they knew it existed. Yeah, yeah, you were refreshing a memory. Yeah, but they were, they were embarrassed by the show, the song, me singing it, and being in an airplane with me. <laughs> um, but I, 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 I talked to Tommy, and Tommy said... Probably uh, one of the most profound things about Penn and Teller that anyone's ever said. He said to me, um, the idea of one character being silent is brilliant. Because in every two-person team, you have to have one person that the audience um, projects upon. And he said, when that person is the one they're projecting upon, he said it's difficult for them to function because if they say things or do things that are off what the audience is projecting, they lose that. He said, so Dickie is always trying to let the audience identify with him completely, right. which means he has to be very careful how he treats me and what he says or the audience will fall off that. Right. He said, you've solved that entirely by having one person not talk. And then you don't have to talk to each other. You can turn it all forwards. So the thing that I've said a zillion times yeah. about uh, Penn and Teller, which is that we're a one-man show done by two people. Right. Because every other two-person group talks to each other. Yeah. We just don't. Right. We face straight out. So the Smothers Brothers are turned uh, to splitting the difference between facing the audience. Cheating. And, yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, and talking to each other. We, we Sorry, go cheating in the theater sense, not right. cheating in them. We go straight out. Yeah. And Tommy was the one who pointed that out to me. Tommy was the one that told us what we had done smart. And then I had to say back, there was nothing smart about that. Teller was working silently before he met me. Right. He just kept working silently and I worked around it. Yeah. So I did not create anything good in the Penn and Teller uh, form. And it's never been a barrier for you guys either you, you've never been like oh shoot if you could talk here that would really help the bit yeah well a couple times in mofo the psychic gorilla all oh, right we needed a two-person psychic act so we gave teller a microphone and put a gorilla head over an amplifier and called that another character right so when it has been a problem we've solved it yeah but that time talking to tommy on that jet back to vegas was unbelievable and i should bring up also on provenza's show green room i was there at that taping when tommy ripped me apart Yes. Tore me to pieces and was 100% right. 100% right. Uh, Tommy's point was I'd gone on Glenn Beck. Mm -hmm. And Tommy said, well, he said it very complimentary. 
He said very nice things about me and then said, when someone like you goes on Glenn Beck, it gives him currency. It gives him, uh, he uses you to give him more credibility. Right. And then Tommy said, and I said, but when I go on there, I tell the truth. So no one else on the Glenn Beck show has ever said there's no God and no one's ever said it's okay to be gay. Right. I went on there and said those things. I said, so I'm reaching an audience that's not. He said, yes, but you're also making it look like he's okay. And then Tommy said, if Hitler had a talk show, you'd go on it. And I said, yes, and I tell the truth. And at the end, uh, I, don't know if, I don't know if this was on air or backstage, because Tommy and I continued talking. Um, I said to Tommy, you are 100% right. Everything you said about me going on those shows is 100% right. And I'm right too. Right. And I was talking to um, Lawrence Krauss about that. Because Lawrence Krauss said, um, uh, what's his name? D'Souza, Dinesh D'Souza, whatever his name is. That's correct. Dinesh D'Souza. Yeah, oh, D'Souza. Oh. Who's a right wing nut who tries to pass himself off as a scientist. Oh, yeah, yeah. He wants Lawrence Krauss in his show. And so Lawrence Krauss said, no, if I go on that show, I'm a scientist who looks like he's talking to another scientist. And I'm not, so I won't go on that show. And Lauren said, but I go on other shows that are kind of just as bad. And I said, I went on Dr. Oz and got a lot of shit for that. And Lauren said, yeah, I couldn't go on Dr. Oz, but you were going on talking about your weight loss and not really agreeing with anything Dr. Oz said, but yet I was still on his show. Yeah. So I think Tommy was entirely right. And... It was not something I was unaware of. It was something I worried about all the time. Tommy made me worry about it more, and that's still the case. Well, like when that dipshit uh, talked about uh, Uri Geller, you turned down going on that, uh, being quoted in that article. Right. Yeah, I did. I turned that down. That's a, that's a really good point, because I thought it would give it some uh, credibility. Man, that yeah. was an awful article. And uh, there was a show, which we've never done this before. There was a show about ghosts. On one of those bullshit Hitler channels. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And uh, we were asked to be on it. We were doing a remote. Not channels that are pro-Hitler, channels that run programming about Hitler. I think it's the same. <laughs> but you used to call the History Channel the Hitler yeah, yeah, Channel because yeah, it yeah. just did nothing but that. Teller and I did something that, uh, you know, other people have done. And when people do it, you go like, wow! They were talking to us and we were we were answering and they asked one question, and Teller and I both unclipped our mics, took out our earpieces, and got up and walked away. Wow. It's a very tough thing, you know? It, it is tough, because also it's a tough thing to, to kind of try to, it's very hard to guess how much control you'll have over your own representation in something. Yeah. So you walk into some place, especially in a situation where you go on, you go on a Glenn Beck or a show like that, at least it's live or live on tape. Mm-hmm. So like basically what you say will all make air. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even that, that's a zone dicey predicament, mm-hmm. right? But when you're quoting for something that's filming and they're going to edit or being quoted in an article where they can take your, all your quotes out of context, like that Geller article, mm-hmm. you have to sit there and assess your ability to control those factors. Right. And it's hard to have an accurate understanding of well, your you, control. You never will. Right. It's all going to be fuzzy. Yeah. Tommy's argument, if I may, uh, I think would include once it says... Glenn Beck has had on Penn Jillette, Yeah, the damage is done. Right. 
no context, no nothing. Right. This is the kind of person he is. So there's someone someone else who might be wavering on whether to come on Glenn Beck. You can be used as leverage to be like, well, Penn came on. Right. And also, uh, just these are the people we've had on the show. Yeah. Oh, is that, I mean, actually, I'm not a good example of this. Lawrence Krauss is a good example of this. You know? Yeah. Lawrence Krauss, you say, uh, Danush D'Souza, he had on Lawrence Krauss, shortlisted for the Nobel Prize, cosmologist. Yeah. I guess he does talk about science. Done. Right. All the damage is done in the, I'm going to show how old I am, TV guide description. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's all done. But if no one goes on those shows, they become more echo chamber. Right. And that's the hard part. You might get steamrolled for trying to attack that very notion, but maybe you do help create that part that makes that happen. Mm-hmm. It's so hard. It's so hard to know. Yeah, and Glenn Beck was very, very good yeah. about letting me state my opinions. Right. And truthfully, where you stand on a lot of issues, you, you technically belong on no talk shows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. It's also the problem with uh, boycotting Chick-fil-A. Right. Right. Or uh, uh, in an out burger. Yeah. Because once you look into anybody's politics, they're bound to have things there that piss you off. Right. But you don't belong in Glenn Beck as much as you don't belong on Lawrence O'Donnell as much as you don't belong on Greg. Right. And you don't belong on Greg Gutfeld. No, I don't belong on Greg Gutfeld. Yeah. No. Uh, Well, also, Lawrence O'Donnell has solved that by never having me on. (laughs) (laughs) Lawrence O'Donnell also realized. (laughs) I. Because once he has you on, yeah. then it goes the other way. There's no credibility whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> we have the Yale professor who's written about the Civil War and the cavalry that worked from uh, uh, Alabama that actually fought for the Union side. We have him on. And we have Pendulette! And <laughs> we have Obliteration Watcher, Pendulette. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Tommy... And I know I've told this story before, and I know that um, that uh, uh, Reddy will bristle. But I had a poster on my wall. I'm bristling already. One of my, uh, if you go to my home in yeah. Greenfield, which I, I still own, but someone else lives there. Yeah. She's left my room the same as it was when I left after high school because she doesn't use that attic. Right. I lived in the attic. A girlfriend once pointed out to me, I had to have it pointed out to me that I couldn't stand up in my own room uh, where I where I grew up. Right. But all the posters are there on the wall. And the poster I looked at the most is a poster rec- of a recording. It's very big, huge size poster, like the size of these. Yeah. Uh, but landscape mode. And it is a recording, you can find this picture easily, of Give Peace a Chance. And it's John and Yoko in bed, right? And uh, John's got a guitar. And then in the foreground, the nearest to you, is Tommy's mother's mm. playing guitar. It's over his shoulder. It's kind of the back of his head. And, you know, uh, John Lennon, when he sings Give Peace a Chance, the second verse, is a third verse, is everybody's talking about Tommy Smothers right in the lyrics. Right. In the lyrics. And um, Tommy Smothers and John Lennon were friends. And if you wanted... If you wanted to um, have a single image of what my ambitions were at 17 years old, oh yeah, it's probably that picture. Oh, for sure. The fact that Tommy Smothers 
a goofy television comedian yeah was interacting with John Lennon yeah a a a post pop star yeah uh in order to fight against the war in Vietnam it's kind of everything's there yeah you know uh all my hopes and dreams so which part of that story was i supposed to bristle at the insane notion that John Lennon is somehow a more serious artist than Tommy <laughs> Smothers Boy, that, that is so true. Oh my goodness, that's true. When I first met Tommy Smothers, it was on our show, the Sin City Spectacular. I was going to play bass with him. It's when I started playing bass, by the way. Yeah. My first, the first time I decided to learn to play upright bass, I was holding Dickie Smothers' bass, which is now in the... Um, the Comedy Museum. Comedy Museum. That's where the base is now. Yeah. The base that I decided to play base on. Um, I was holding Dickie Smothers' base, and Tommy Smothers said, I don't know if it's true, Tommy Smothers said, while I play guitar, person standing next to me playing the bass has been, so far in my life, three people. My brother Dickie Smothers, Jack Benny, and you. Oh, <laughs> and I did with Tommy Smothers the bit that I heard him do uh, on those records, and it was amazing. There were no cue cards. I knew it so deep in my heart, and uh, I was told how to. You know, I already was playing electric bass, but I was told a little bit about how to play upright. Yeah, and I felt. Dickie Smothers bass vibrating in my hands and I looked over and whatever that is three and a half feet from Tommy Smothers face doing Tommy Smothers doing a bit that I'd memorized and loved all those years ago I was that close to him and it was amazing and I'm going to tell this story too because I get a pass because uh, we're talking about Tommy one of the uh, one of the real conundrums of my life, and I told Dickie about this again. When you saw him in Canada. When I saw him in Canada, yeah. Uh, he did not remember it, but he knew it. Right. Um, I was going to do the, uh, the, the Tommy Smothers thing with him. And <laughs> there's a point where Tommy goes and goes and goes and goes, and I grab the guitar neck, and I say, Tommy, and I stop him, right? Now, uh, to someone who's outside of comedy, yeah, it seems like Dickie just grabs the neck when he's had enough of Tommy. Yeah. But actually, Tommy knew that I was interested in music and told me it was, I've forgotten the number now, but it was, it was eight beats. Beat. He wanted eight beats. He said, when you stop playing, count it eight beats, then grab the neck of my guitar and interrupt me. And he said, then we'd go on with the bit. And I said, okay. And we rehearsed it. And, oh, boy, I counted it very carefully. Right. And brought my hand in on the neck. And Tommy said, perfect. And we did that a couple more times. Tommy said, perfect. And I went backstage, and Dickie said, can I talk to you for a moment? Oh, geez. And I said, yes. And he said, uh, Tommy told you to come in there on the, uh, on the beat. He said, uh, don't. Go another couple beats longer. He said, because Tommy doesn't really get funny until he's uncomfortable. 
So you want to make it so he is sincerely uncomfortable with what you're doing, wondering what you're doing, worrying about you coming in late. Then he'll get really funny. That is so hard. (laughs) And Dickie said, it's my job working with Tommy to make him as funny as I possibly can. Right. And I have to throw him off every night because Tommy wants things just so, and Tommy's not as funny when things are just so. Now, this was after uh, I'd, uh, we'd worked with Arthur Penn. No one else had been able to do this but Arthur Penn. Right. And Teller would lay out his props, get everything all set. And I think I've told this many times before. Uh, Arthur Penn would come in, move everything on the table and say, action. So t- Teller had to fumble for things. And uh, Arthur said, you've got to make sure Teller's uncomfortable. Teller's comfortable. He's just not funny. <laughs> um, it was exactly the same thing. And Dickie said, throw him off. When you go out there, throw him off. And I said, Dickie, you guys are my heroes. I, he said, yes. So make him good. I said, oh, oh Dick, oh, Jesus. And Dickie said, no, just, just another two beats. Just so he's waiting for your hand to hit the guitar, and it doesn't. So his face drops, and he doesn't know exactly what he's going to say, and it fucks up his next line. Come on, give him that. And then we're about to go out, and Tommy says to me, eight on eight. You grab the neck on eight. You grab the neck on eight. That's when you grab it. Have you got that? I said, yes. He said, right on that beat. I got to have it on that beat. That's where we go into the next section. I need that. I need to know it's going to be there. I said, yeah. So we're out there, and I had not decided. Right. I had not decided. We're actually doing the bit, and I don't know what I'm going to do. Right? And there I am. Three feet from my hero, three feet from my hero, doing a bit that I absolutely love, and the person who had done my part forever, the part who the person who done the part that I was doing, had told me to do it differently. So who do you trust? He came to there five, six, seven, and I just couldn't even stop my hand. I went and grabbed his guitar. Right on Tommy, right on eight. Right on eight. And Tommy did the bit. We finished. We did the whole bit. As we walked off stage, Tommy said, perfect. That was perfect. That was perfect. And as I walked by Dickie, he went, no, you fucked it up, man. (laughs) (laughs) He said, that could have been great, man. That could have been so great. Oh, man. Once again, they're both right. Right. Tommy wants it the way he wants it. And that's the one you're sharing the stage with, you know, you made the agreement to go out there with him. Right. I I think, I think I would have done the same thing in your situation. That takes a lot of balls to be like. I don't think if I had made the decision to go with what Dickie said, I don't think I could have done it. Right. I think my body wouldn't have let me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, but I was, I've been reading, of course, about Tommy and Dickie and watching stuff. And, uh, Dickie was totally the straight man. Totally the straight man. And Dickie, Tommy gets all the credit for everything and should. Yeah. But Dickie would say uh, that their best moments that stayed in their act forever were from them fucking up. Right. And uh, the story that I love goes the other way around. 
Tommy would always, there's a song they did called I Talk to the Trees. It was from yeah. a Broadway show. And uh, on the second verse, <laughs> Tommy would always interrupt Dickie and say, what do you mean you talk to the trees? Right? Yeah. And one night, Dickie tells this story with such relish. <laughs> one night, tell, didn't, I tell her, Jesus, there you go. Tommy, Tommy didn't interrupt him. Did not interrupt him. And Dickie had to say to the audience, I don't know the rest of the song. <laughs> I, I learned it and then Tommy always interrupts me. So I, uh, I just forgot. I don't know the notes. I don't know the tune. I don't know the words. Oh man. If Tommy doesn't interrupt me, I don't know what to do. And he says that the audience was out of their minds laughing. And Tommy was just cracking up beyond belief because Tommy had just decided, oh, tonight I just won't, uh, won't do stop. the bit. Yeah. Won't do the Let's That's let him go hysterical. to the third verse. Let's see what happens if we do this on the third verse. <laughs> That's really funny. That's really funny. So um, it's not, and I, I want to make this clear, it's not playing practical jokes. On no, no, people. no. It's just finding out where the characters are. Oh, I mean, years ago, when I started with my comedy group from college that was staying together in our 20s, we went out to Chicago, and one of the most important improv lessons anyone ever taught us was like, hey, if your show is just lacking something, it's just going south, fuck with each other. Just start <laughs> fucking with each other. The audience knows. Yeah. If you bring up real shit, even though you're playing characters and doing dialogue, if you bring real shit on stage, audience knows immediately. Immediately. <laughs> and it was the one of the most helpful pieces of advice we've ever been given. Yeah. You know? You just, when you bring up someone's hot sister to them, <laughs> the audience suddenly goes like, wait, that sounds like something. Yeah, that's that's real. And then, and then you just have a real, and then it helped so many of our shows. But yeah, no, fuck with each other. I mean, Madeline and I, mm -hmm. uh, with our improv bit, like, like one of the things we loved working with each other, we both did improv forever, but we both came from totally different schools of of thought on on all improv. So all of our shows were just fucking with each other all the time. And that's what we loved. We loved to be like, I don't know where this is going. And that's what you want when you've been doing it for that long. Yeah, it's it's also the dynamic is so funny because Tommy is two years older than Dickie. Yeah. And Tommy was the big brother. Yeah. And Tommy controlled everything. Yeah. But Dickie's the straight man. Right. Which is really, really complicated. And uh, also the stuff they brought up, like mom always liked you best. Yeah. Absolutely true. Right. Absolutely true. So when you say you know, your hot sister, yeah, they yeah. were doing that all the time. And Dickie Smothers is so, so funny and terrific. You know, Dickie Smothers said his favorite joke was about the straight man. Yeah. The straight man's walking along the beach and there's someone out in the ocean drowning and the person yells, help me, I'm drowning. And the straight man goes, help you? You're drowning? <laughs> <laughs> that was that was Dickie's favorite joke. Yeah. And Dickie would talk a lot about how the straight man controls the timing. Oh, yeah. He controls the flow. He controls all of that. And uh, Dickie's great at it. Yeah, I think for first people improvise, they like to say shocking things or crazy sexual things or whatever, mm -hmm. you know? And then you want to like, yes, and, right? So, hi, I'm home. I just killed the baby. Oh, yes, and I'm making baby soup over here. You know, and you go, great. So now we live in a world where it's okay to kill babies. Where the hell's attention going to come from? <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
So someone someone on stage speaking the audience's mind is the most important thing mm-hmm. you can add to comedy because in comedy there's no rules as right. to what the, the parameters are going to be. So someone just saying what's going on and you go and you go oh, good I agree with that guy. <laughs> it's like one of the most important things about it. It's the hardest thing to do is to be the emotional compass of the audience on stage is super hard. And it's also important to say that when the Smothers Brothers were fired, yeah, Dicky was not fired. Tommy was fired. <laughs> Dickie very clearly was happy with his job <laughs> and wanted to keep doing it. Right. Uh, and that's also wonderful. But Tommy Smothers. One of the greats. One of the real greats and also um, so important to me. And I've got to tell you that you were in the audience. Uh, we did Green Room. Yeah. And Tommy Smothers turned on me. Yeah. I've got to say, it's one of the real proud moments of my life because Tommy Smothers was thinking about me. Right. And when I was growing up in Greenfield, Massachusetts, the the chances that Tommy Smothers would ever say my name were zero. Well, yeah, he saw what you did and he cared about it. And then he saw you and he was like, I can't leave without bringing this up to him. Tommy Smothers knew my name. Yeah. The chances of that, I, I mean, if you wanted to put one thing on my tombstone, <laughs> it would be Tommy Smothers knew this person was named Pendulet. Yeah. Incredible. I'm going to, I'm going to cry and not be careful. But Tommy, uh, you know, we never became friends. Right. Uh, I probably talked to him total three hours in my life. Right. But, uh, so much of who I am came from Tommy Smothers. I mean, yeah. you just take, uh. Uh, Tommy Smothers and Mike Nesmith. Right. You've got you've got everybody in my uh, my prepubescent. Yeah. Uh, my role models. You know who I wanted to be yeah. was Tommy Smothers and Mike Nesmith. And boy, did I fail miserably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they both could play guitar. <laughs> that was Bed Sunday School presented by. It's just my volume control up. Masterclass. <laughs> And Masterclass has a uh, great, great uh, deal for you right now. We've talked about how great Masterclass is. Get an additional 15% off an annual membership of Masterclass.com slash pen. Get 15% off right now at Masterclass.com slash pen. Masterclass.com slash pen. That was Penn Sunday School. That was Penn Sunday School. You become naked. Oh, Tommy Smothers. Oh, Tommy Smothers. Tommy Smothers. Oh, did people like the pictures we sent to the Patreons? I have to post them still. Oh, you haven't posted them oh, yet? Sick. You rat bastard. I've had people in my house all the holidays. I've never had to work. Well, they're all going to get some incredible pictures. Yes. Incredible pictures of me uh, overseas and with my jacket and with most important, my knot board. And they'll also, the Patreon people will also get a uh, uh, my write-up for the end of the year. But all you yeah. really know, need to know is obliterated. And you also need to know... We love you. Anybody to thank there, Matt Donnelly? I do. And actually, by the time they hear this, they'll see the photos. Oh, yeah. Good. Right. Mm-hmm. 
And now it's time to thank the people who support us over at patreon.com slash pen. Find people like Amy, definitely not Lisa Smith, Franziska, Harry the Gorillagician, Don Dottie, Kevin Burke, David McLaughlin, Old Bear Greg, Charlie Sheets says trans rights, No Shit Sherlock, and Por Favor Ven and Puerto Rico. Stephen Bryce Griddle says it's pronounced Chimera, but go on. Coach Rat Bastard, Wash Your Sister Sauce, Will Jason, David, I want to finger your cunt Brenner, Tristan Connett, Mason Gooch, Sagebrush, Matthew Nishu, Luke Mellon, Jason Andrew Davidson, Peter B. Clark, Matt Williams, Soapy Fresh, Brad Sherlag, Mike Cavanaugh, Rafiki, Steve Feldman, Jonathan P., NewRuleFX.com, Eric M. Ryan, Chris Tehachapi Loop McKinney, Danny Insert Meta Joke Here Ruse, Little Mandar, Mike Fresh, Thought of a Witty Transition Before Saying, Adam Stickney, Nathan Julian, Jeremy in Shanghai, Christopher Harris, Petty Officer Scoop, Daniel, How Do Magic Dragons Blow Out Candles, William Weingarten, David K., Shane Brevik, Blue Drinks Film Says Clears Your Cookies Baby, Brandon Knapp, Nick Dingman, and Colin Durham. Thank you so much. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 